Welcome to Split Happens, the Divorce Down Under podcast where we talk about anything and everything family law related. Welcome to Split Happens, the Divorce Down Under podcast with me, Alex, and my colleague and friend, Liza. We're both practicing family lawyers based on the Gold Coast, and this podcast talks about anything and everything to do with family law. Today, this podcast is all about divorce. So if you're in a de facto relationship, you can get yourself a nice cup of tea, coffee, and not worry about what we're about to talk about, but listen to it and think about your married friends and how much fun you're going to have talking to them about this podcast. Liza, divorce. Do you have to be married in Australia to get divorced in Australia? No, you don't. You can have got married elsewhere. You can have got married in the Caribbean. Um, It doesn't really make any difference. But what you do have to do is show that you are resident of Australia at the time that you're wanting to get divorced. Okay. And are there any other limitations? I mean, you've fallen out of love with your, your spouse, your husband or your wife. You don't want to be married anymore, so can you just wander into a court and get a divorce the same day? How does it work? No, you have to be separated from your uh, husband whether it be, or your wife for a period of 12 months and one day. Now, that separation period can be either separated under one roof or separated under separate roofs. So separation is a different term than what most people would normally understand and accept it to mean. So as long as the parties have in fact communicated that separation, then then they're separated. Okay, and a time limit going to the other side of the equation then is, how long do I have to be married before I can apply for a divorce? Can I go the next day, I've had a, a tragic change of mind, I've, you know, I've still got confetti in my shoes. What about the time that I can make that application? Well, in terms of the time that you make that application, you can't just go the next day, there is a there is some time periods that you d- will have to wait because the court will, in certain circumstances, will allow you to do that. But it's not the, the rule, it's the exception to the rule. Um, the court would need to hear some further evidence if you were to do it for just the, the next day. Or But it's highly unlikely. You're probably... Um, it, it's not like the situation where you've had a change of heart and you've... Um, you've picked the wrong T-shirt, you've picked the wrong um, wife, um, the court's not going to simply allow you to get out, of that, get out of that. There are conditions that you're going to have to go through first before you get to that stage. I really like that expression, you've picked the wrong wife. So I'm just writing that down, although I hope my wife doesn't listen to this to podcast. Say, I was going to say, are you <laughs> no, writing I, it down I, for... I, I entirely so that you can take that information. <laughs> but there is a two-year waiting period, isn't there? There is. Under the Family Law Act, which governs all of these things, and a lot of the stuff that we talk about on this podcast is related to the Family Law Act in some way, shape, form or fashion. And if you go to, I think it's part six of the Act, uh, if anybody can't sleep at night and wants something to cuddle up to, the Family Law Act is available at all of your good leading (laughs) legislative websites. And if you head to part six of that, it tells you that you must have been married to somebody for two years and separated for at least a year, as you were just saying. So it's not a simple and quick process a lot of the time. It's probably simple, but it's not necessarily quick. So before you get married, you probably want to make sure that you're you're picking the right husband or wife because getting out of it is not that simple. And you've got to wait around. And 
There are some circumstances where you can apply for um, an early divorce, if I can call it that. That's right. Um, and I think the processes involved in that would be, say you've been married for less than two years, but you have been separated for more than 12 months, so it came to a, a grinding halt fairly soon. You know, a blazing rouse on the honeymoon and never improved since that, that point. You then have to go through like a family counselling situation, don't you? Yeah, that's right. That's what I was sort of getting at um, initially because you can't just – you're not going to be able to just fill in a form and say, yeah, we want to get divorced, we've had a change of heart. So you need a, a proper reason and you need to have um, have some sort of counselling process undertaken and the court will need to consider your application. Um, sometimes if it's a really violent situation, things like that, you might be able to get out of your marriage earlier if it's for safety reasons. But again, all of these things, it's all on a case-by-case basis. Yeah. But otherwise, the jurisdiction is, is there and it's pretty straightforward um, that two years married, one year separated, you can apply for a divorce whether you were married in Australia or overseas. Well, I've had this case um, recently, I think you, you probably might re- remember it, um, where the husband has jumped the gun and he's filed an application a mm-hmm. bit early. Yeah. He's, he doesn't want to wait the 12 months. That, I think that's period. still rumbling on, isn't it? It is, it is. And the, the unusual and crazy thing about it is all he had to do all he has to do is wait for that 12 months to expire which will come up very soon and then when that um, expiry um, when that date expires he can apply for the divorce and he'll get that divorce whether um, my client wants the divorce or not and but he's being quite stubborn about it and we have to go to court at a time after the date that he could just reapply for the divorce because the court doesn't have that jurisdiction the court's quite clear you it must be 12 months and one day separated yeah before you can put the application before you can apply. On. yeah so That's if you right. put your application too soon that application's dead from the start there's nothing you can do about it you just have to refile you have to withdraw it dismiss have it dismissed whatever and and um, it's void ab initio as, as we lawyers would say sometimes yep. Like it never happened like for those happened. who don't follow the law all the time. <laughs> Which is most lawyers included. Yeah. Um, What's well, the so L-O-R-E, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, oh, that's right. Yeah, folklore about law. So um, in divorce cases in Australia then, do, uh, when we, th- we talk about the Family Law Act, and that came in in 19... Well, it was, it's 1975, but it took effect from the 1st of January 1976. Yep. And since then, all divorces in Australia are on a no-fault basis, aren't they? Yeah, so we don't have to worry about, you know, little men in Macs with you know, cameras tied around their, their necks, jumping out of wardrobes and taking photographs of people in, in compromising positions. It's, it doesn't matter. The reasons for your divorce, so long as it's broken down, and that's proved by being separated for more than a year. That's right. But, that's the only thing. But, but, but those, little, those little men that mm-hmm. in, with cameras um, getting about, I, lo- I love a good um, story when you've got a private investigator <laughs> is caught in the act and the the clients think they're on to a winner here. But what it does prove, it, it's evidence, though, of a separation or a potential separation. So there still might be the this occasional time that a, a private investigator or an oh, look, bring inquiry it on. agent... I, I'd love to have another case where there's a private investigator out there and and there's some evidence about some bad behaviour by one of the couples and, and that's... Because a lot of the time it's, it's a strategic thing about the duration of that relationship, duration of that marriage. And it really is important that... Once you once you've committed to saying, well, we started the marriage or the relationship on this date, and then it ended on this date, well, it's it's a real it's a really um, 
tactical decision as to what you're going to put down as your date of separation a lot of the time because as um, you may have heard from our other podcasts, particularly in relation to property, the relationship, the duration of that relationship is really important. Yeah, and it's not just the duration of the relationship, but the uh, it's the time that you're married in terms of the divorce application, the time of the relationship, you, you could live with somebody for 20 years and be married to them for two years. Then you can be separated for a year and still qualify for your divorce. The entirety of that relationship is relevant as far as the property settlement's concerned, but it's the duration of the marriage that's concerning in divorce. Now, divorces are handled as absolutely discrete, so separate applications to property, aren't they? They are. You can't just put it on. Um, I've, I've seen a few applications in my time where... Um, clients have set out with the final orders that they want on the application form, a divorce and a property settlement. <laughs> so the divorce, unfortunately, guys, you've got to put that, you've got to have a separate form for that. It and would be far too straightforward to give somebody the ability to say, hey, look, we've gone our separate ways, we want to do it all at the same time, but no, we, we're from the government, we're here to help you. That's right, we're, we're here to help to, give, to create additional filing fees and uh, no, no. Um, a cynic, the, a cynic might suggest that. Um, yeah, well, I'm a cynic. We all know that. Um, but the but what it is what you what you will find from the um, federal circuit and family court website is that a really really handy kit, divorce kit, where you can do it yourself. So um, you know, this is a, a few forms. Now it does get a bit tricky if you haven't been, um, well, if you've been separated but living under the same roof. Hmm which a lot of people these days probably will be separated and living under the one roof because, let's face it, you just can't get a accommodation in a lot of places these days. So there's going to be more and more of those people. So, Alex... I, I, I come across it a lot, yeah, with, with so a lot what, of clients. what are the sorts of things that clients are going to need to do um, to get around that hurdle to show that they've been separated, even well, though they've been living under the one roof? Almost certainly you're going to have to file an affidavit with the court. And an affidavit is just a sworn statement. Uh, and sometimes you might need uh, a supportive affidavit from anybody that knows about your relationship as well. So you're separated, but you don't have the wherewithal, you haven't got the financial means to have separate accommodation until the property settlement's done, which could be a long time off. You might then get friends and family members to confirm that as far as they're concerned, you know, you've been living separate lives, that you, know, you live in separate bedrooms, you don't share meal times, you don't share you know, a shared social life anymore. But you're going to have to prove that with a sworn affidavit and that gets filed with your application. Uh, now, talking about the separated under one roof, um, there's, a, there's another provision and a quirk about divorces as well, which is that uh, I suppose from a, probably from like a patriarchal perspective of parliament, they allow people to have periods of reconciliation, don't they? But not exceeding three months. So if you are if you're separated from somebody under the same roof or not, you can, you know, count your twelve months as being over a fifteen month period if you had a short period of reconciliation or you tried to get back together again. So it doesn't necessarily flow that it's always going to have to be a, a consecutive twelve month period of separation. So long as you've been separated for more than 12 months, and it could be over that 15-month period, you can still apply for a divorce. So it's not necessarily the case that you've separated, six months later you thought, let's give this another go, a couple of weeks later, it doesn't work out. You don't have to go back to you know, the first day of the 12-month of the period. You can just count that two weeks off your separation period. i tell you what, there'll be a lot of people relieved to hear that. Yeah, I mean, look, relationships are difficult things. They're, you know, they, they don't come in the same shape for everybody. 
and you know the heart wants what it wants and sometimes you know the relationships don't stand the test of time despite a lot of love and sometimes they do but uh, or do even without the love but certainly periods of reconciliation um, are something that the courts provide for or the legislation actually provides for it saying look let people make their own minds up you never know so talk to your solicitor if you're not sure whether or not you would um, be able to apply for divorce. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go right back to the beginning of separating all over again. So in t- you've mentioned again the relevance between a divorce order and a property settlement. But just to clarify from when we were talking about property settlement in the other episode, what a divorce order does is to create a limitation period. So once a divorce is made that creates a limitation period. Can you maybe sort of expand upon that a little bit more? So after you've, if you've got a divorce order, um, the divorce order, it comes into effect, uh, I think it's one month and one day. I don't know what the one day is, but it's... I, I think the one day is the day on which it actually issues. Right, so okay. But it's always it's one month and a day. Yeah. yeah, anyway. So it's one month and one day um, after the you have your divorce hearing and you, the divorce order is made is when the divorce takes effect. So that's the very first important thing but to know about. So you're not actually technically divorced until one month and one day. So it's not like you can get married the day after you've got your divorce order. You have to wait that one month, one day. Um, but the main limitation is that if you uh, still haven't sorted out your property, then you only have 12 months after that time to bring in a property application, which is an application for final orders in the F&C court and mm-hmm. in relation to uh, a property settlement. So it, it, you're still at liberty to negotiate it, but you really need to make sure that you file those applications prior to that expiry of the 12 months because the court can shut you out and they will shut you out if there's no proper reason for you to have um, not brought those proceedings earlier. So strategically, you probably want to talk again to your, you know, your family law solicitor to say, should I be filing for my divorce before property or should I file for property before divorce or file for divorce and stay very, very quiet about property because I'm the one with the property. So those are things you probably need to have a chat to your lawyer about. That's right. Make sure you put, you yeah. know, whether it's sometimes the cart does need to go in front of the horse and other times the other way around. So um, in terms of divorces, then let's roll back to that. What does it actually mean when somebody is divorced? Well, the marriage is over, essentially. Legally over. Legally over. You're free to marry um, someone else. Um, I was going to say you're free to have a relationship with someone else, but that doesn't really, that's usually... Well, um, oftentimes that's the reason for the divorce. That's right. There's another relationship bubbling away in the background. You're allowed to marry someone else. Right. So that's the main, that that is the main um, reason why people get divorced. And we do, obviously, from time to time, we'll get people who are fairly unhappy about the notion of becoming divorced. Uh, maybe they have some religious or cultural reasons that they, they're opposed to divorcing, um, and they want to challenge the divorce application from their ex-spouse, or their, their to-be ex-spouse, I should say. It's pretty difficult to do that here, isn't it? It is. Um, it's really only... I've, I haven't seen any successful contests over divorce, Apart from those cases where it, the, it's more of a procedural issue, in so that like that chap that, you were talking about before, yep. who's jumped ahead of the yep. game, where they haven't been separated um, for a period of time. Yeah, I haven't really seen any um, successful cases. I don't know if you have, but I, I've had the same experience where somebody has applied too soon, and in that, in that case, it was quite entertaining in the sense that 
the, the lady applied um, yeah, quite a lot further than the real separation, as we said, because I was for the, I was for the husband in that case. Arban Legal is proud to sponsor Split Happens. You'll be in safe hands with Arban Legal. For all your family law needs, call us on 07 or visit our website at arbanlegal.com.au. After the date of separation, according to the wife, the husband and wife had then proceeded to buy another piece of real estate, another another house. So at some point, she's either Googled or, or spoken to a lawyer who perhaps doesn't practice in this jurisdiction so much and said, oh, right, okay, well, if we, if we apply and backdate the date of separation, then we can try and claim that that's just your house. And, and I mean, it was a stupid idea. Mm. Um, and it got no no real travel with the, with the court. So, But that's the, the dates around things seem to be one of the bigger issues. I know that sometimes uh, there can be questions about whether Australia is the right place to bring the divorce. There's a, there's a case, I can't remember the name of it now, um, that you might, I'm not sure. It was that the, uh, Indi- is the Indian, Indian couple. Case. That's yeah. right, yeah. And um, the, the husband, I think, had applied for the divorce yeah. because in Australia it led to a better financial outcome for him than the proper forum, which was India, which would have meant that the wife would get a much fairer piece of the pie, if I can put it that way. Well, as practitioners and officers of the court, we're not permitted to be forum shopping and and international job judge shopping. So it is my, we have to be mindful of that. Um, but at the same time, um, I find that as a general rule of thumb, that if the parties are resident and their property is based in Australia, then I would try and encourage the parties to have their divorce dealt with in Australia. Um, because then that way you, you can't be seen to be trying to find the, the, the more advantageous forum for one party over another. And that's precisely what um, we often get into trouble for when we're you know, trying in previous days when you used to go and line up at the registry and you'd try and get you'd have the the docket judge Mm. and then you'd be assigned one one particular judge and you'd be thinking oh no no i don't want him um and then you try and come up with some other reason why you would probably be better served with a different judge or a different on a different time and you're not meant to do that no judge judge shopping is 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 very much a no-no but it's it's much 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 harder to do that now because with Australian divorces, most of our applications these days, apart from the very rare ones, they're all lodged online. So we all go through a process whereby we don't get to, you don't have a drop down box and say, which judge would you like, you know, Mr. Fluffy Bunny Slippers or Mr. Mr. Strict and Cross. Mm. You don't have those options anymore. It's simply you get what you get and you don't get upset as, you know, oh, you used to say book. to their children. Oh, there's a book. My, my son's got that book. You get what you get and you don't get upset. Yeah. And it, does he does he often have it around the back of his head at a rate of knots? <laughs> I'm not advocating that for children. I've read read too many Australian Medical Association reports saying do not hit your children; it is bad for them. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, I'm joking. <laughs> that's right. I don't hit my children. No, that's right. Roll them up in a, in a mattress first, and then it doesn't leave any bruising. No, I, I'm, that is, of course, not something I'm recommending or advocating. That's just a <laughs> flippant remark. So uh, let's get back to divorce. Let's yeah. get back to divorce. So. Um, how much does it cost? What's involved, oh, and how long does it um, all take? Okay, um, so the cost um, there's a filing fee. It's found on the fcfc.oa.gov.au website, 
which is about $990 at the moment. Ouch. So that's the filing fee. That's just for the court's fee, isn't it? Yep. Yep. So, and then your lawyer, um, look, I can't say for what a lot of lawyers would charge, but it's usually about $1,100 or so um, to, you know, it could be anywhere up to two grand because you might have some issues with service. Oh. Right. What do you mean by service? So service is that if you're if you're making a sole application, you right. have to serve your former spouse with the divorce papers. You can't just file in a court and then hope that the court's going to make those orders and they not know about it. You so you, have you've to, got to prove to the to, court that they know about it. And sometimes that can be tricky because if they if the other party just for whatever reason just wants to be difficult. They can be difficult and they can try and evade service. Um, and this and is where our little men with the Macs, not with the photo, uh, with the cameras so much these days, but they can still come to the fore and get these people served. They can. They can still come out. And um, we, we do it all the time. We send little process servers. They're not little, but they, we send process servers around and find them and track them down and, and then we prove service, prove that they've known about the application so that the court is aware, um, that both parties are aware of the application and they're all the relevant facts are before the court and then the court can make a decision as to whether or not to grant the divorce. So And the cost of a process server typically, if it's not oh, not if it's not ridiculous. It's like I'm, a couple of hundred bucks. Uh, yeah, I I've seen the process server fees range from anywhere to two to four hundred depending yeah. upon where, whereabouts in the country it is. But that's if it's just like on the one occasion. And yeah. The more complex it is, the more evasive your ex is in terms of handing the papers to them, the more expensive that gets. And sometimes if you have to get an order, so say for example that um, your ex is hiding or is just being really, really difficult. You send your process server around, they can't serve, but you've got their email address and you might be able to you might be able to show the court, well, hang on, I can't prove service. I can't serve him or her for whatever reason and you've, you've, you've actually got to go through a bit of a process. You'll have a few matters, a few mentions before the court to, in order to get an order that allows you to be able to um, serve the documents by some other means such as emails or or by by leaving it with a family member or, or so something like that. That's so an order for substituted service. Substituted service. So there are those sorts of complications that can arise, particularly in a bitter divorce, and that's why a lot of the time lawyers, they will. it's very difficult to fix a fee because they'll say, oh, we can fix the drafting of the... Mm of the fees for drafting of the application, but we don't know what he's, how he's going to respond or she's going to respond. So that's where the unknown comes into it in terms of costs. So that's why there is that range there a lot yep. of the time, just to take into account that extra effort that may be necessary. But okay. a lot of the time it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be more than a, than a couple of thousand dollars all up, yep. a few thousand dollars all up. But, you know, these things are very simple to be done um, on the yourself using the divorce kit. Like a lot of things, an old professor I can remember saying at State University that law is simple, but it's not easy. Mm. It's, I mean, it's still a confronting and a difficult process for you to go through emotionally apart from anything else. And sometimes it can be helpful to have a professional just handle that for you so that you just have, you know, you talk to Liza, you talk to Alex and say, yeah. okay, I just need some help. Can you organise a divorce? We know what the paperwork is. We get you to sign the, you know, the relevant bits of paper. We can organise the process ever, so you don't need to worry about that side of things. And that's the thing. It, it is. It's that peace of mind. It's that oh, look, let someone else handle it, and it, it does make things a lot more simpler. The other thing, of course, um, is the joint application, which we haven't really covered. Not yet. And that Getting to it. Is that, um, sorry. About now, Just I jumped, think. jumped ahead. Good. Excellent. So the um, the joint application where both parties can, can um, jointly apply for the, the, 
for the divorce. Um, that is, you know, you don't have to worry about service fa- service at all because you know it's a joint application. You both sign the documents and you file it, and you can be, you can have an agreement for you to be equally responsible for the costs. You know, both half the filing fee. So You've you had one help, fairly yep. recently, I think, haven't you, Alex? The didn't you have one where the the wife has decided to they've decided to make a joint application. It was uh, originally a sole application, but anyway. I'm 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 just I'm nodding, but I can't quite remember. Okay. We, we we do a few of these things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, joint applications are simply a process where a husband and wife they both agree the marriage is at an end and they both want the divorce, so they both sign the application form. If you're both applicants, so to speak, then obviously nobody needs to be handed the paperwork in dramatic fashion by a process server. Not that it's normally dramatic. It's just, here, is your name Bob Smith? Yes, this is for you. Um, so when we we get our, our application filed, we pay our fee, our process server hands it to our ex or we don't need to do service, how long then do we have to wait before you know, our day in court? And I'll come back to the whether we have to go to court or not in a moment, but... Yeah. What's your experience at the moment as to how long it's taken? Oh, it's a bit of a while. Um, so there's a bit of a delay and I think the the registrars are doing as much as they can um, because they're just the sheer volume of the court list at the moment is incredible. I but think we still have something in the region of, and don't quote me on this, is only approximate, it's close on 50,000 divorces per year Yeah. With the you know, on the Australian Bureau of Statistics you know, information. That's a lot. That's a lot of processing. That's a lot of work because every single application has to be reviewed by a, a registrar. That's know. right. And you're assuming that every single person has got their paperwork correct, and there's no other issues that are going along with that. There's no requisitions to come back from the court. No more questions. You've both got the paperwork, and so when, it, in my experience lately, it's been a few months. It can yep. be um, before you actually get uh, before a registrar. Um, it might be you know two to three months or something. You actually get to choose the date when you go through the online process. There's a uh, once you filled in the second part of your form that everybody has signed or your affidavit of service and so on, and then you pay your money. Then up pops a little diary box where you get to see the first available dates, and they are you know usually quite some time off at the moment, unfortunately. That's or, right. Or, or fortunately, depending upon your perspective. But um, that then is the date that it's heard. And not every case needs you to go to court, does it? No, if there's no children under eighteen, you don't have to do, don't have to go. And if it's a joint application, so even if there are kids under the age of eighteen, so long as it's joint, you don't have to go to court. Yep. Yep. Um, and by the and in the same token, if there are children under the eighteen age of eighteen of the marriage, and it's a sole application, then the applicant will have to go to court. And just a little tip here. Because a lot of people get their applications knocked back for this reason. And that is, in that form, there's a section there which talks about the time with the kids and who's having what time. Now, you might have a parenting order out there that sets out what you're, what the, what's meant to happen. The court isn't too concerned about what's meant to happen. They want to know what's actually happening. So they want to know that, um, just say, for example, that you're meant to have um, your you're the husband and you're meant to be seeing um, Johnny and Billy every second fortnight, but for whatever reason, um, it's actually been working quite well and you've been using those parenting orders as a backup. And in fact, you've been really arranging it on a week about basis. You really need to put as much information in there about your kids and what you're really doing with them, where they're really at, um, things like where they're at at school, 
what year they're in, are they doing well, do they have any de- development problems, are they having any educational problems, you've really got to chuck as much information into that section as possible because if you don't or if it's very quiet or if it just attaches whatever the orders say, um, then you are most likely going to get a requisition from the court because they, they're not satisfied that that's enough information. That because the court has to effectively make a declaration, well it does under Section 55 capital A, that proper arrangements have been made for the care and welfare of the children who are under the age of 18. I'm paraphrasing slightly, but what you just explained, you've got to make sure that the court is satisfied that the arrangements for the children are working and are proper and appropriate before you can move to the next step, which is the divorce. Okay, so that's divorce with children. Um, It doesn't actually... What you've actually put in your application form is usually fairly brief, and it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be the same level of detail that you might find in a parenting application by any stretch. It's fairly fairly, fairly short and sweet, but you've still got to put it in there because if you don't, your divorce won't take effect. Um, now, let's talk about a different tack on this. There's not a divorce as such, but sometimes marriages occur and you want to nullify them. You need an annulment. You want to say this marriage was never a marriage and... What are the kinds of circumstances that somebody could make an application for a declaration of a marriage? Well, if, if a party's under 18, for what, for starters. Um, without proper consent or, without or a judicial consent. order, yeah. Um, if they haven't waited the, the notice period, they haven't done all those... Um, when you get married, there's all these um, waiting periods and notices that you have to serve and fill in and those sorts of things. If you haven't complied with that, that may be grounds for you to be able to annul the marriage. Um, there's one that I'm thinking of and I'm just trying to think. Uh, well, uh, another, another one that we were talking about um, earlier today was what happens when somebody properly doesn't understand what they're getting oh, into. Oh, under and duress. It, you know, yeah, it, that's right. It's, so it's a slightly strange one, that, but sometimes people are sort of swept up along in these ceremonies and it's particularly the case where you might have somebody coming from another country where the ceremonies are conducted in a different language and perhaps don't properly understand what they're saying or doing. Uh, well, I'd, I'd probably think that half of the cast of maths could probably get out of it if it was a genuine marriage <laughs> on that basis because, A, I'm not too sure that they understand um, what's going on and they probably don't understand the terms of what they've just signed up for. Um, and, B, I'm pretty sure that there's a fair bit of duress there for their marriage. Well, I'm... I'm I'm not into the initiated of having watched maths. I know that we're going to be doing some episodes later on about TV shows and films about divorce and so on, and you are going to subject just, me to watching these I awful will. television Alex shows. Alex is going to be watching a I whole heap really of I really don't trash. want to do this, but I, but I will. Anything for the podcast. Um, so we were talking briefly about um, nullity of marriages, and so it's people who maybe don't know what they're getting into, people who are under tremendous um, duress at the time, um, people who... Um, are underage, although you can, if you're under 18, still get married, providing that you go through the right consent processes. Um, and, of course, what about if somebody is already married? Oh, yeah, the that's the one I was thinking of. I'm thinking there's something that's really <laughs> obvious here. And I, yeah, you can't marry more than one person in this country. No, so. no, no. I mean, I, it's a challenge to well, think that why you would want to oh, marry more than one person. If you, if you ask my husband that question, he'd say, I've got enough trouble with my, with one wife, let alone have more. So... Um, but I, I really think, though, that in terms of a, an annulment, the, the easiest way to explain that is an annulment is like the marriage never happened at all. Yeah. And a lot of cultures will probably want to, or some people from different cultures um, like to have that or 
you know, religions and I'm not really well versed in a lot of other religions and stuff, but I, I'm aware of plenty of them who would prefer an annulment rather than a divorce as such. Yeah, I, I mean, divorce can be seen as um, offending the, you know, the, the edicts of the religion. I mean, you, you roll back to the Reformation, of course, and the Pope refusing to give Henry VIII um, his divorce, and so he just went off and said, okay, the Catholic Church is, we're not having that around here anymore. I've got this new church, and I've got this great idea for the boss for this new church, which happens to be the guy I'm staring at in the mirror. But look, we're digressing slightly. Um, going back to nullity, there's another one, uh, which is mental incapacity. So not about duress, yeah. but somebody who has got um, a legal or mental impairment. Now, now, now well, I, know, on, I, know some, I know some cynics out there, some singleton cynics out there who might say, well, anybody that wishes to get married clearly has a mental incapacity well, or impairment. There, oh, but, goodness but me. That's a bit of a reach. So many annulments could be going <laughs> through. Or there's, I just look at, I look around. You know, you go to a shopping centre and you think, God almighty. Yeah, but, but um, from, a, from a lawyer's point of view, it's about being able to actually properly consent, to know what's going on. Um, and you might need some medical medical evidence to show that, that if you're going to claim that for a nullity. Yeah. But it's, it's not that common that we have to deal with um, applications for annulment. Nearly all of our work in like the... No. You know, the ending of the bonds of marriage these days is to do with making applications for divorce and just managing that process through where people have typically lived under the same roof uh, i mean what what i mean a difficult circumstance that is but nonetheless nonetheless that happens a lot now and then there was one other thing before we sort of um wrap up on divorce for today which was to do with children and children's names because yep. i know this is something that you were, you were explaining to me a little bit earlier so I, i'm going to throw that one over to you yeah so um one of the things that i get asked a hell of a lot and it's always as an afterthought so you go through the parenting orders and the property orders often together and then you get to the end of the matter and then there's the divorce application and then it's at the time that the parties have just got the divorce through and then one party says oh well I'm going to change my name back now I want to change the kids names well and and you can't just do that no you can't that you needed to have um, taken that into account in the earlier steps Um, that's something that you probably should have agreed upon prior to it and you do need a formal order. But you can't do that. It's nothing to do with the divorce per se. That's a specific parenting order. That's right. And so when you're talking about parental responsibility and things like that, that's something that might come up in discussion. It may There may be um, a a restraint on one party to say that you're not allowed to change the the children's names or it may be that, that... the one party is agreeable to the names being changed. But if you're a, uh, if you're a registrar handling um, a, a series of divorce applications and they tend to do a lot at the same time on the same morning or afternoon, happily for that registrar, they'll simply be able to say, no, we're not yeah. dealing with that. There's no jurisdiction no. to do that today, Mr That's Bloggs, right. Mrs Bloggs. That's You'll right. have to make a separate application. And if a lot of the time it's it's through your state, um, state courts as well, um, I've yeah, the state re- registries of the births, deaths and marriages right. and so on, they would They're need the an ones. order, yep. a parenting order from your federal court saying, here's a parenting order because the federal courts have jurisdiction over children that says you, Mr. State Courts, are, or, or rather the state registry is able to and is authorised to now change that child's surname. Yep, that's how, that's how it works. Right, well, it's sort of a, a slightly eclectic finish mm. to divorce, mm. but... Um, all right, that's where we got to uh, for the purposes of today. Um, if you have any questions about divorce or any comments about the podcast or about uh, any divorce issues affecting you or fa- family or friends or just want to just jibe us generally, drop us uh, a note or a comment underneath and 
Thank you very much for listening to Split Happens, the Divorce Down Under podcast. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to Split Happens, the Divorce Down Under podcast. If you want to hear more of our episodes, you'll find us wherever you find your podcasts on all good ones.